All right, I did some more investigation into what doesn't work. And uh, sure enough, Anchor.fm blew it. I know they've blown it in the past. But uh, what I did is I searched for Anchor FM APK. Downloaded it on my phone, set it up. It was an annoyance. I had to log in with Google. That was not too easy. That was fucking annoying. And then uh, it started to work pretty good. I added a transition, and then I was going to upload audio off my phone. And then it didn't upload audio off my phone. I don't know. You could blame my phone. But the thing was is, you know, I successfully uploaded audio into Mega off of my phone right now. So whatever it is, it's Anchor's fault as far as I'm concerned. If I can upload anywhere off my phone, then whoever's failing to do that, it's their problem. And even if they think it's my phone because it's exotic or something, well, guess what? It's an Android, so what the fuck is your problem? I was able to upload to Mega. What the fuck is your problem? Anyway, that was the Anchor.fm APK app. And they, they might also say, oh, well, you didn't get it out of the Play Store. Now that doesn't matter. That's bullshit. It's their problem. Yeah, I've told them some shit that was wrong with their shit before, and they're fucking fags. They're a bunch of fucking idiots, basically. So anyway, uh, that's Anchor. I mean, they work pretty good when you are on desktop, but as far as mobile upload, I mean, it's unnecessary and cumbersome even to have to use an app when I can upload into websites from a browser. Let me try one more thing real quick, because I should be able to see real quick if I can use their website. Come on now, come on now, c come on now. I have a sponsor waiting. Oh, great. I have a feeling that's a total hoax. First, activate your thing. First, you have to activate their stupid stripe bullshit. No. First, you need a home address, a bank account, your state identification, your social security number, your mother's maiden name, your favorite pet, your first pet, your first school, your all your family's names, your social identity, your LinkedIn. You must have a LinkedIn, too. Activate. No, no. Get off my dick. I can't even get out of this thing. God, your shit sucks. God, that sucks. Get off. I can't even get out of this thing. Ugh. Get off my dick, dude. Shit.
Oh, I'm in the wrong account. Well, it doesn't matter. Dashboard. Just to test it. Back episode edit podcast details now. No, can't do anything on this thing. Episodes. Can't do anything. Dashboard. Bullshit. Uh. Alright, fuck them. You know what I really want to do, though, is I do want to get some of those articles. I'll go to Tech News. Got to do it on Google, though, unfortunately. Oh, mental note. Take the top of Bing and turn it back into Tech News because it goes somewhere else. Go to Tech News, scroll down to Opinion. Death of Your Vagina. Great article. Waiting for your page to load, New Yorker. Not getting what I want anyway. There's two articles. Google. Oh, I said their name. Google. Wait, wait, wait. iPhone's hacked. And they don't tell you who did it. 
and then Dorsey hacked. Garbage. New York Times. Guardian. Give me something good, damn it. Courts. Oh, the words looks pretty. I wonder if I could view source on that. Copy. Stupid thing. I knew this thing was gonna suck. You can't do anything on this. Fuck you. Stupid thing. You can view source online and then you can't copy and paste it on the first result. No, I don't want to do that. Where is it, dude? Paste. Yeah, go, dumbass. I think I'm trying to do go. What is that, dude? Stupid ass thing. Go, I can't hit it. Duh. Ah, so stupid. Stop. Fuck you, bro. Ugh. That's so dumb. No, no, no. God, so dumb, dude. Okay, sorry for that long waste of time. It's all relevant to the exploration of efficiency, though. And what was that dumb thing? New York Times. New York Times, there. It didn't work? Yeah, of course it didn't work. It doesn't work.
Get off my phone. Finally. Did it load or not? Yeah, there it is. Stupid useless paywall bullshit. Got right through it. So easy. In that case, I've had other paywalls be really hard on me. Oh, I found a way to get through other paywalls, though. It's so easy. Like when I'm on desktop. Like the hardest paywalls I ever hit are like local news. And they're like, oh, you've already reached your maximum. Like your first time on their fucking website. And, like, from an unknown account, like, just logging in at the library, you've already reached your maximum. And you just go, view source, and then you just scroll for a keyword in the headline, something that's distinct, or go control F, and then you can basically read the whole thing. You have to read through all this formatting that's a little hard, but if you really want to just get the facts of a story and a little bit of the perspective or whatever, it's not too hard to read, which is good because half the time I'm just looking for something out of, like, safety concerns i'm like what the fuck is going on like i want to know and when they hold me back like that it makes me a little bit mad hmm i'm getting used to this whole no coffee vibe i'm on day seven. Oh, i found coffee this morning i found this like nice full cup of starbucks and i was like oh it's like tempting and I even grabbed it, and I even thought about it. I'm like, you know what? I'll just eat it. I mean, I'll just drink it because who cares? I'm quitting coffee, but if I find a free coffee, like, why not? It won't ruin me. But I held it, and then I, like, thought about it for a while, and I was like, you know what? Nah. Because, like, I'm on my second day of having avocados in the day. I had a big avocado, and uh, I had a coconut milk, which uh, I was going to get almond milk, but... I got this coconut milk mainly because it has saturated fat. And if you get, if you drink the whole container, you get like uh, 16 grams of saturated fat, which they would list as uh, 80% of your daily value. And that is cool, I think, for the same price as like almond milk, which has no fat in it. And this has some of the same vitamins too, so I was like, yeah, pretty much doesn't matter to me. Otherwise, um, you know, I'm probably going to play some podcasts and listen to them and review them. I think I have enough battery power. But I lost a lot of battery power there. You know, 
almost 10% probably. And most of it was Anchor FM sucking for mobile. I mean, but desktop experience using Anchor is pretty good. I mean, they're pretty good at what they do. They, it's It just depends on what you want to do. It's like, you could put it out to what? Spotify, which I give no fucks about. Uh, Apple Podcasts, which I think is important, sort of, because a lot of people use iPhones, and they'll have no excuse. When I say NFC, I have ACTS, although I've never, I've never tried it on an iPhone. I mean, they should certainly be able to get my fucking podcast. Better yet, though, as Android users, I would suggest using Podcast Addict, which is what I've been using. I used to use Google Podcasts, but they suck. You know, when a fucking situation sucks long enough, I mean, which is like, as soon as I figure out there's something better, it's like, there's no going back. Google Podcasts, I don't even want to give reviews lately, but for one thing, they keep the thumbnail incredibly small, which, why is there even art on it if you have to look at it like one-fifth of the width? That's hard to say, one-fifth of the width but it's truly fucking offensive to an artist and anybody who uploads a f- an image for an, a podcast to have to look at your stupid fucking art as like a fraction of the size for no fucking good reason besides the fact that Google is fucking retarded, which of course they are, so fuck Google. Those fucking guys are fucking morons, dude. I'm sick of them. They're so fucking dumb, they fuck up everything. They do a lot of good things too, but nah, they're fucking up. Whoops. Sorry, kids. Gotta watch my language. Yeah, I might have some other things to say. Yeah, so I decided to just stay with the, like, really soft stuff on my body instead of having that coffee. And I'm glad I did. I ended up, I had, like, really good energy this morning. It was weird. And I'm not exactly sure why, but combination, I'm sure, of no more coffee, drinking river water, and eating, like, vegan in the morning, probably. Yeah, well, the way I talk is not really conducive to um, 
friendly relations with people who are a little more less profane than me, who I might know in the real world. But they might find this too, and I kind of want to tell them some things, but... Ooh, hello. Chick, wearing underwear. That's pretty exciting. Kind of. Well, I'll keep it vague. There's this attorney I met, kind of. And uh, I have her card. And she, I told her... I said I'd look for Silicon Valley venture capitalists who had Bitcoin and who needed a lawyer. Because that's what she was looking for. So if you're one of those guys, contact me. And I'd love to refer this woman. Because she wants to get paid in Bitcoin. To do law. She specializes in property law and... I forget what else. I was going to contact her, but uh, I'll do that tomorrow probably, or whenever I can. Real estate and business law. Business law sounds good. I wish you'd emphasize that, because that's what I'd be more interested in right now, but I don't know why I'd need business law when, you know, why do I need business law when it's as simple as fuck you pay me? But, you know, everybody's still exploring their niche. And then yesterday I met this uh, music teacher guy. I was going to maybe do a little tech for him. He needed help, like, connecting his computer. And I think he needs a little advice on how to publish videos and stuff. And it would probably only take me 15 minutes or a half hour to teach him what he needed to know. And so I hope that I'll do that, too. He's a pretty nice guy. He knows a lot about music. He taught me something about the tritone. Uh, the sharp fourth. Uh, I probably already knew this, but it's exactly halfway halfway between the octave, the tonic and the octave. I maybe I knew that already, but he told me, and I was like, ah, oh. I was like, that must be why it's desirable. But is it why it's desirable? Who knows? Uh, I'm looking at this one company, I fucking applied to them a couple times, fucking assholes. And, you know, I, of course, like most companies, they're not going to get back to me, because the way I usually apply to people is not very friendly, or not very easy to understand. And then I remembered that the fucking assholes that work at that company came out and fucking asked me to leave from the front of the sidewalk one time, when I got back to town. And I was like, you know what? Uh, I have maybe two or five lists. Uh, one is my A-list, like if I really like you, basically. I mean, all the actresses and celebrities that are famous, they're on the B-list, basically. But then there's the shit list. And motherfucker, you are on the shit list. Uh, and that could be very bad for you. But I think that might be threatening if I put that into action literally and I effectively ordered them to do something or else I would do something, if then, if this or else statement, something like that, and uh, I don't think I did that, so, it's a recommendation, besides if I'm not helping you, I mean, you're already fucked, you're super fucked, 
I'll bury you. If I have to, I mean, I will. I mean, like I say about the people in this town, it's like, uh, if I don't get any other job and I really want to make money, I will go into burying corpses that's in the family. So I will bury you. And that will be legal as well, and I'll be paid most likely. Or the money will be extracted from your your trust or your inheritance. Theoretically. I mean, I may do it for free, but I don't think I would. So, maybe someone else will bury you. Yeah, otherwise, not to sound so ominous and everything, because I'm not intending to, nor am I sent... I'm not at all intending to send threats, and if I have, I, I retract them, essentially, at, at once, for that is not my intention whatsoever. Yet, individuals who have been totally fucked up to me, like asking me to leave when I'm standing on the sidewalk in front of the building that they believe they own, I do not predict, I do not predict like, the best circumstances for them in the future. Nor will I refrain from amusing myself with confusing them and mocking them when I may, for I think that's legal. Is it not? Until it verges on the edge of whatever is called harassment or cyber-stalking. If in that case I've verged too close, I would like to apologize and retract. But that's not the most effective form of confusion, is it? And what else is good? Um, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I'll probably start playing some people's podcasts. Um, I want to, like, zip this up and make it really easy for the smartest people to understand, like, what to do. And everybody else, they can hopefully either teach people or, um, there's a couple of little people together, a man and a woman. That's got to be probably the cutest thing I've seen today. If only because two oddballs found themselves, you know. And I don't think they're brother and sister. Maybe they were, but... I also wouldn't want to fetishize that and be like, oh, they're so cute just because they're dwarfs. But it was kind of, like, you know, remarkable because of the rarity or the oddity of it. Although, to call them odd... Oh, yeah, by the way, I've decided it's racist to call me a troll. So if you call me a troll, you're basically insensitive, racist... Um, ableist is a better way to put it, and, um, it's racist if you think about it, I just realized, because if I do not declare the color of my skin, and you label an anonymous person a troll, you're telling them that they're a green goblin, so you're basically being racist against them by saying they have a non-preferable skin tone, because they have not declared the status of the skin as declared by census bureaus. Therefore, you're racist, ableist, you're defaming someone based on their lack of national origin, and you're incredibly fucked, and I'm going to waste you. Waste you? How am I going to waste you, though, legally? I'll print your face out on a piece of paper and crumple it up and throw it in a garbage can. One of these days. Yeah, I don't know what else I can do. Let's see. uh, I might even want to turn this down a notch, I'm getting really, really enraged. Oh yeah, speaking of enraged, that ugly, uppity, wannabe valley girls who are actually old chicks.
Oh, darn, I can't hit the button. Oh, for some reason, I was like, I saw a flashing signal that represented something that wasn't even updated. Alright, I'll just get back at you later. Interesting tidbit from this one podcast. Family. Does that have me? We were working on an investigation into post 9-11 recovery funds and how they were used in New York, right? So they were going to things like, you know, Robert De Niro's Tribeca Film Festival, things like that. And we were looking into it, and I'm driving my father, Chief Michael. So I'll tell you how I began to find out and really think about where I came from in a different way. And that was, I was working the New York Bureau of the Washington Post. This is, I'm working with the Bureau Chief Michael Powell, who's now at the New York Times. And we were working on an investigation into post 9-11 recovery funds and how they were used in New York, right? So they were going to things like, you know, Robert De Niro's Tribeca Film Festival, things like that. And we were looking into it, and I'm driving my father. Hey, what's up? I value you. I value, I, I promise no value in this recording whatsoever. I have amended my thought. Uh, I don't offer any value. Wait a second. I can't say that either. Value is to be subjectively concluded as usual. Some may value what I say, some may not. If I offer my opinion on the value of this, I may affect your subjectivity or may cause you to be contrary to anything I might say, so therefore I may not wish to say much about what I think about is the value of this. Or if I did, it would be a bombastic exaggeration of the actual validity of anything I might express. Largely. And so if I were to moderate it with the opposite of what I thought I was going to say and look for a medium, I guess I'd have to say that the value of this recording might be somewhat medium. Somewhere between very valuable and not valuable at all. Probably lower than medium. So somewhere between low and middle. Alright. And then, of course, if I was to bring more value than that, you might feel like you got a good deal. But it was probably for free anyway. Ah. Uh.
Yeah, so I was thinking about I was listening to your podcast. It was garbage. It's crap. Your podcast sucks. Become less confident they'll purchase less machinery or manufacturing equipment from Germany. Germany, in turn, will feel less confident. They will invest less. I mean, you just see this ripple effect. We are in a global economy, but you're talking about a poorly orchestrated war with no benefit to us where everyone's going to lose. This is just this is just a bad war, and it's been poorly executed. And, and what's interesting is it could have been a good war in the sense that the European is exploitation. And it goes back to another key theme, and that is without more journalists, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm jumping all over the place. I apologize, but I thought the biggest, one of the biggest stories this week, and it just made me really sad reading about it, was um, Oklahoma's decision to, to find Johnson and Johnson five hundred, I think it was five hundred fifty million dollars, and the fact that mm-hmm. Purdue may in fact be bankrupted or take themselves into bankruptcy, and they come out as a an upcorp, and all the proceeds and profits go to the victims of opioids. And I really wonder if there had been as many journalists in this nation doing long-form yep. j- journalism as there were 30 years ago, would we not have would we not have recognized the devastation, misery, and just general tragedy of the opioid crisis sooner? And well, that is what we're doing with the social media, Scott. I feel like we are, we're ringing the alarms and stuff like that. I think it's a similar thing. Or it's not, no, not, it's not, it's not, it's not as devastating as the opioid crisis, but I'm saying... I think journalists did write a lot about it. I think the question is people were okay with it, and it, fin- it takes a while for people to finally act on these things. That's, I just, I don't know how, Solar City, um, and I think one of the things that I came away from is there's some really special... The obligate that rather than have the embarrassment of taking his company into Chapter 11, he is going to sell this thing, and every day he waits to sell it is means he sells it at a lower price, because this company is an auto company, it should trade at a multiple like an auto company, which means it's barely worth the obligations, the, the, the repair warranties, and the debt they have on it. So I agree with him. I acknowledge his point. By the way, that was a really thoughtful point, and thank you for making uh, taking the time to thank actually you. do that. All you, everybody, please call in and do these. We like answering them, especially when you argue with us, especially Scott. Really, I'm always correct. So <laughs> There you go. <laughs> uh, but he's absolutely right. There's, there's a really tough article on uh, Elon Musk this week in Vanity Fair um, about um, Solar City. Um, and I think one of the things that I came away from is there's some really troubling things in the story, but that these are big ideas and ahead of their skis is a very good way to put it. Some of them, are like stuff what's going on at SpaceX or Tesla or <laughs> Solar City are great. They're not small ideas. And, um, and so it's a complex, it's complex is what it is. Yeah. What it is. Yeah. Anyway, thank you, Dan. From yeah, Bemidji, you, Dan. we really appreciate it. So, Scott, we're going to do predictions, yeah. but here's a question that came into our inbox. is how you come up with your predictions, Scott. What is the formula? Is it a magic eight ball? Do you have chicken entrails? What is your what is your methodology around your predictions? Are you just, I don't know, sit and stare at a wall? What is your what is your manner? Sativa. Predictions? No, I look, I, I, I spend all day. I what people want to know. I spend all day, uh, I work with a group of really talented people, and we spend all day kind of marinating in data, looking at trends and data, and some stuff just kind of bubbles up to the top that seems fairly obvious. And one of the keys, so the, the, the if you will, the steel in the ground or the pillars of predictions are uh, data, and you will see trend lines start to appear around data. So there's some fascinating 
things coming out of retail right now. We're going to see the resale market, secondhand clothing, be bigger than fast fashion in 2028. That's a, that's incredible data. So I'm, I'm thinking about a lot of predictions off of that, what that means for retail. And then the key around making predictions, that's the underpinnings, that's the steal. But the key is to be fearless. And that's to say, all right, take your gut, take the data, and then think of something. And regardless of how stupid that sounds, regardless of the actual likelihood of that at the current time, make the prediction. Because the thing about predicting is that people, as long as you're predicting to learn, you're not predicting to be right, people respect you for it, and it catalyzes a dialogue. That's the key. Yes. Wow. And we have lots to talk about, because in like a, like next week is right after Labor Day, but the week after... First off, it's nice that you've noticed that we're going into year two of our relationship, which I would loosely describe as a triumph of hope over experience. Pretty good, pretty good, guys. Keep up the good work. Android. All right, what's next? How about their competitor, Kafka? Pretty bored with this one, but almost ready to get it done. That world, as you've moved from Business Insider into CNN, have you sort of rethought your worldview? Uh, my worldview? Both. I mean, both in terms of what sort of stuff you were doing in the past sure. and also how you view the world, how you view uh, ideological media, how you view media in general. Um, you know, I've learned a lot while I was at The Blaze, and I think we did a lot of good work at The Blaze. Um, obviously, I, I probably, if you showed me, I don't know, I stories are both plays probably like 5,000 10,000 I probably would not write a lot of those stories the same you way 5 to 10,000 stories of the plays probably yeah. what period? um I think three to four years okay so if you if you think you're producing a lot look at all over yeah well you know they're, they're obviously completely different medium mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of this stuff is more like you know short posts yep. you know with a video and a headline and, you know you get published on mm -hmm. WordPress um but I don't I don't talk about my worldview anymore. I don't think it's important. I, I will say the one thing I'm biased against is hypocrisy and and or like you know short posts. Yep. You know, with a video and a headline and you know, you get published on WordPress. Mm -hmm. Um but I don't I don't talk about my worldview anymore. I don't think it's important. I, I will say the one thing I'm biased against is hypocrisy and and two sets of standards. And I think that my job is to hold people accountable when they you know when they're telling me that they want one thing, but they're actually doing something else. And I think, I think that's, that's important. And you see it. Why don't you investigate Kara Swisher then? There's a lot in this Trump era where he'll say one thing and then say something else within two seconds. And so it's a lot of that, but also I think the era we're in is no longer about, you don't hear large discussions on cable news about tax policy and whether cutting taxes is good or bad. We, Who cares? You end up talking about is like, this is not reality, what the president is saying. Like, this is just not tethered to reality. Who cares? And, and trying to bring people back into reality, so we're at least having a common set of facts. I think that's... That's your ideology, is, is facts. You know, I, I think it's... No, it's not. It's like we, we need to bring people back to like reality. And I think what you see a lot of time. You guys avoid reality. 
continually. WTC7 Nanothermite Operation Northwood. You guys don't ever even think about that, do you? Do you talk about it? No. Is, is people who are, um, you know, in, in the Kelly and Conway's uh, words, using alternative facts to to present an alternative reality to people. And I think that blah, the blah, big story blah. in terms of media right now, and you see this not only on from mainstream organizations, but even like some of the uh, traditional conservative organizations like the Bulwark, which has been launched by you know, Bill Crystal and Charlie uh, Sykes. And never Trumpers. Or they're never Trumpers, but they're conservatives. Right. They are conservatives, but the large story is not like tax cuts are good, you know, and, and X, Y, and Z, like on the conservative front, like when you national defense, it's strong. Like those are the traditional conservative things. You don't hear much talk about that. It's like Trump's doing something crazy, and here's like why it's crazy and like why is no one else pointing out that this is bananas. Right. And or by why are the people who used to say it's bananas now saying no, we don't see it. Right. And the people who would have never tolerated any of the stuff under like a President Hillary Clinton. Like can you imagine just like your mind explodes thinking about some of these things. I pointed out last week that if a Barack Obama paused and looked up at the heavens and said I am the chosen one and as he declared a tra- or escalated a trade war with China like it's impossible to even think about how Fox would cover that because it would just be apocalyptic. Like there would be, they would have to create new banners and graphics for how they would cover this administration if they applied even half the standards they applied to the last administration. So I think, back to my overall point, it's less about policy these these days. It's less about like. Just out of curiosity, was he kidding? Your actual ideology, it's, it comes down to: Are you willing to acknowledge reality, or are you not? WTC7, Nanothermite, Operation Northwoods. I want to leave it right there. Me too. Let's acknowledge reality. Let's enjoy our Labor Day weekend or whenever you happen to be listening to this. Oliver, delighted you came by. Thank you. Uh, thanks to Zachary Mack, to Blondie Carter. Thanks to Michael France sitting in for Joel Robbie. Thanks for advertisers who bring this podcast to you for free. No paywall. Okay, well, yeah. Um, thanks to you guys for listening. If you like this podcast, please tell someone else, however you see fit. This thanks. podcast sucks. Just kidding. It's not that bad, but it's, I don't know, you guys. All right. Hi, I'm Amanda Clute, Editor-in-Chief of Eater. And I am Daniel Janine, a producer here at Eater. And we are here to tell you about our brand new podcast, Eater's oh, yeah. Digest. Every week on the show, we dive into the weirdest, funniest, and most important we stories dive in. in the world of food. With the inside scoop from the biggest names in the industry and expert insights from... you got to talk about how it comes out, it's too. It's really fun time, so I would say subscribe to Eater's Digest. If, you, if you're going to do Eater, you got to do Pooper at the same time. you got to be like, oh, I ate all this, I ate all that. you got to have the poop report. It comes like two days later. Just tell me how it pooped out. Yes, for free today on Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. Hey, it's Peter. If you like this conversation, I have something else you're going to like. It's not free, but you're going to like it. It's called Code Commerce. It's a two-day event that takes place in New York on September 9th and 10th, hosted by my good pal and co-worker, Jason Del Rey. Ooh. He will be talking to people like Walmart CEO of e-commerce. That's Mark Laurie. Marty Levine, who leads partnerships for Facebook and Instagram. That's a very big deal. And the co-founder and co-CEO of Harry's, Jeff Rader. 
In addition to that, you'll have the chance to visit the most innovative retailers and delivery hubs in the city. I've gone on some of these uh, show-and-tells. They're great. CodeCommerce is a must-attend event for tech and retail executives, anyone who wants to be in that business. You'll get incredible insight into the latest in automation, payments, DTC brands, and more. This conference always sells out, so secure your spot now at events.recode.net. That's so Jason will know that I sent you to him. Jason's a good guy. You should do it. Once again, that's events.recode.net backslash Peter. Hope to see you in September. No. All right. What else? What's next? Downloaded episodes. All right. Here's an asshole. Let's get ready for this asshole. He's the slowest podcaster around. Tops the algo, cheats his way to the top. He was number one before he even had a podcast. Cheater. Total fucking cheater. Eric Weinstein. Peter Thiel's bitch, or is it vice versa? Your music's too quiet, dumbass. Where the fuck is the podcast, fool? Where is it? Here in Los Angeles. Let's try that again. Too quiet. Oh, it's so soothing. I like it. You found the portal. I'm your host, Eric Weinstein, and I'm here today. Did you force it upon me? David Walby. Welcome. We forced this upon you. It was at the top of the algo. How do you like it now? Welcome. Was the rabbi of Sinai Temple here in Los Angeles? David is often uh, thought to be one of the most influential rabbis uh, currently in the United States. Been uh, named so by Newsweek, uh, and finds himself in various lists of important rabbis. The number one rabbi in the country, according to Jewish newspapers. Welcome to the portal, David. Thank you. Happy to be here. So you and I improbably met in Belgrade, uh, Serbia. Yes, exactly. And we shared a bus ride, and that bus ride has been on my mind in a way that it probably hasn't been in, uh, playing through your mind. Um, but I wondered if we might begin this podcast by deciding that we would avoid certain well-worn tropes. I don't oh. want you to does God exist or doesn't he? Right. Um, you already gendered the deal. The question that I want to begin with is, for, for our listeners who have been searching for some kind of spiritual outlet, but are also frustrated like with me uh, being very analytic, uh, intellectual, right. and Dude, I got the answer. What is that God versus no God conversation crowding out that needs to be more present in the public dialogue? That oh, is, no. It's, that is a wonderful question. Here we go. You're going to go straight to morality after skipping over whether or not there's a conscious deity or not. Or a deity that once lived. I already got the, the answer to that. Um, and I think that the, um, the pub, what the public dialogue really needs very desperately is... Implying we need anything. ...community and interdependence that people take seriously and is lifelong... Um, in the absence of some particular kind of transcendent belief. And, and I think that that's, that is the most valuable thing. 
What conjecture? Well, okay, so we need community, you say. We need to build community in the absence of some kind of agreement about whether or not there's a deity, approximately. That religion gives its adherence, um, and it's even more valuable in some ways than personal meaning because you and I both know that, that religion used to think it had a, a monopoly on the possibility of personal meaning, but a lot of people... Religion never never thought such thing. Side of source. When did religion think anything? Religion is a category. I don't even know exactly what that means. What is religion? And when did it ever... What did you say? Religion... Religion used to think it had a monopoly on meaning? Live there. Um, and it's even more valuable in some ways than personal meaning because you and I both know that that religion used to think it had a, a monopoly on the possibility of personal meaning, but a lot of people... Why would a rabbi use the word monopoly? ...live their lives without a religious sense and would not say that their lives are meaningless, but they... Did you say Nazi? They do need because you and I both know that, that religion used to think it had a, a monopoly on the possibility of personal meaning, but a lot of people live their lives without a religious sense and would not say that their lives are meaningless, but they do need community. And community, especially in such an atomized age and especially in modern... Why would he use the term atomized? America is very hard to create and to find. And this transcendent, shared transcendent idea, they do need community. Wait a minute. Community, How is community hard to find? Especially in such an atomized age, and especially in modern America, is very hard to create and to find. And this transcendent shared... I'm surrounded by community everywhere I go. ...transcendent idea gives you community, but in that absence, I don't know how you construct it, but that doesn't mean there isn't a way. We, we need to learn how to do that, or at least to start talking about it. How do we do that, Mr. Rabbi? Is there 15 introductory lessons for 1599 that you have a monopoly on? And one of the things that I would hope is that people in religious communities and people outside of religious communities could talk about that and how to do it without letting specific beliefs wreck. So, non-specific adherence to communism? Communism. The conversation. So this is always tricky for me because um, we have these various concepts to try to keep our, our religion and our scientific beliefs separate. Right. Um, we have questions about should I abstract what was previously concrete so that it remains... All right. You're no scientist, Eric Weinstein. Don't say something's concrete. You should know that by now. Haven't you been listening to NFCFACTS? It's, it's literally the bane of my ass. Existence is when people refer to things as concrete, when there is no concrete. Not in the thought, you dumbass. Rele relevant in my... Um, we have these various concepts to try to keep our, our religion and our scientific beliefs separate. Right. Um, we have questions about, should I abstract what was previously concrete so that it remains rele relevant in my current life? My golly, shall I abstract what was previously concrete? 
My eyes have seen the abstract for the concrete it once was. I have turned what was cement into something up high above, and I was unable to believe that I could turn material into something immaterial, but Eric Weinstein told me. And there always feels to be a bit of a cheat in all of this, yet if we don't make these kind of cheats or half measures or uh, accommodations, we find um, a very uncomfortable outcome, which is that most of these religions had their ancient texts written well before we had as much detail as we currently do about the scientific world. Right. And No half measures. We're happiest where they were abstract, and we're most troubled where they were concrete. <laughs> it's true. Site specifics. Site specifics. Um, look, there's a lot of passages that, in, in my own tradition, um, that I explain exactly the way you do, which is, this is the creation of an ancient culture. Which is, Jesus Christ is boiling in excrement. And, and there are things about it that we have grown beyond. And, and I don't have a problem saying that, although many of my co-religionists would hate the idea that a rabbi would say that, but I don't have a problem saying that. Um, because I got a monopoly on this thing. Yeah, I'm atomized. However, the result of the result of adherence to things that I find objectionable, I find admirable. In other words, there are communities who believe things. Let's forget Judaism for a minute. Forget my own community. All right. There are other communities that... All right, all right. We'll just subtract six million of them. All right. I'll take your six million. I'll subtract six of them and six million of them. And yeah, let's forget about them. Believe things that I think are objectively either untrue or just wild or even I can't imagine how someone could believe that. And yet... Countdown to Trump, three, two, one. Ten, nine, eight. They lead admirable lives and have admirable communities and have values that I think most of us would share. There may be add-ons that we wouldn't, but they managed to do that. And so the question is, is it possible to create responsible, interdependent communities without those kinds of beliefs? I, I don't think we've answered that question yet, but I think it's becoming more and more urgent. So I think we should just say something uh, a little bit about our own intellectual backgrounds. Now, I think uh oh, the last time we were together in Serbia, I let you know that I really identify as an atheist. And what's more, Eric, you need to call me, bro. I'll, I'll solve that problem for you. Actually, I'll just tell you right now. The total solar eclipse. Or my, my family has somehow been atheistic for four or five generations. That's because you are communists. Yet always with Jews marrying other Jews and keeping Jewish traditions going. And I shared with you a mystery in my life, which is that of all of the five or six rabbis that I've gotten to know well enough to ask the question... Do you believe in the God of the Old Testament? I thought you were going to skip this part, bro. This is literal. That's got to be the dumbest question, too. Do you believe in Jehovah? We talked about 
conservative or even orthodox believe that that character actually exists. Blasphemy. Then how come they call themselves rabbis? Oh, there are... So, so let me tell you why I have a monopoly on getting people to give me money in the name of God that I don't believe in. There are at least two things to say, but I'll start with two. One is, for, for those of your listeners who are Christian, or who grew up with no belief but in, in a Christian, not, not in a Jewish context, this may be a mystery that I can unravel. How someone could be... How come he wants to unravel something? Was he from the sweater industry? The garment industry? A fifth-generation Jewish atheist. Because Judaism is not a religion. <gasps> Christianity is a religion. <gasps> in the sense that if tomorrow I believe in Jesus, I'm Christian. If the day after I don't, I'm not. So that's a religion, is if you believe in Jesus, it's a religion. But Judaism isn't a religion. Yeah, that's a great definition, bro. But tomorrow, if I'm a Jewish atheist, because Judaism is not a religion. Christianity is a religion. Oh, is this where he's going to say that Judaism is something that's inherited ethnically or culturally, but it's not a, it's not a race and it's not an... It's not an ethnicity. So it's just a concept, right? The sense that if tomorrow I believe in Jesus, I'm Christian. If the day after I don't, I'm not. But tomorrow, if I say to you, you know, Eric, I, all those things I said on the podcast, I don't believe any of them anymore. I'm still Jewish. And that's because Judaism is a category that doesn't exist in modern America. Ooh, very special. Judaism is a category that does not exist in modern America. Direct quote. I would use the word tribe, but tribe has negative connotations today, so let me say so, sorry, Jews on are... This podcast, not tribe, on this podcast. No, right. adaptive tribal behavior is normal, okay. so we make a distinction between adaptive and maladaptive. I'm going to say, nonetheless, to, uh, to avoid any misunderstanding, that it's a religious family. You're born nepotism. Born into a family in the same way that you're born into Judaism. Unless you choose another family, you're part of that family. And so Jews have forever, um, at least for a long time, without leaving and going to another religion, at which point they're effectively written out of the Jewish, forget what Jewish law says, they're effectively written out of the Jewish community. Well, I mean, isn't it more important what Jewish law says? But then again, back to your rabbi. They've said, look, I don't believe this, that, or the other thing. And they're still Jewish. So that's why Jewish atheist is not... In fact, I will tell you a, a story um, several years... God damn, dude. Can you finish one sentence, please? Years ago, I had to give through someone that I knew, it doesn't matter this how I got there, I was... A doesn't matter if it's a Jew, doesn't matter if it's a Jew, doesn't matter if it's a Jew, doesn't matter if it's a Jew. It was in the garment industry. Supposed to give a blessing at Carl Reiner's 90th birthday party. So I get up and I start to give a blessing and somebody calls out from the audience, why is there a rabbi here? Reiner's an atheist. So he... Is that Mel Brooks? No, well, it could have been, but it wasn't actually. Um... He runs up to, stay, to the stage, stands next to me, and says, I'm not an atheist. 
I'm a Jewish atheist, and that's different. <laughs> and he's right. That was funny. <laughs> because there is a culture to adhere to. Christianity doesn't have that kind of comprehensive culture, which makes, and here are the advantages and disadvantages. That's defamatory against Christian culture, which I've now cognified. It makes Christianity much more portable. Because you can keep your culture in every way. So you can go to the Congo. You can have a completely different culture, but if you believe in Jesus, my work here is done. But Judaism, especially because of Jewish law, it has many more <sighs> cultural implications. Oh, and on. therefore, the advantage of Christianity is that it's portable. The advantage of Judaism is that it's familial. So when the Soviet Union was persecuting Jews back in the 70s and 80s, they were Side of source. persecuting Christians too. But there was no worldwide Christian movement to save Christians. But there was a worldwide Jewish movement to save Jews because there was that sense of familial... Devil. So you totally aggrandized that there was no something and then there was something something? We wondered why we put up with Christian persecution. Well, I think that part of the reason is because there isn't that, oh my God, that's my brother or sister being persecuted on the part of Christians. It's... What a highly bombastic and speculative uh, amount of fucking hot air that's coming out of this dumbass's mouth. Whereas for Jews, there is this adaptive tribal behavior. So... Both of both systems have their strengths and weaknesses, right. but they are different. Well, and then there's the very weird aspect that I believe that in large measure, what we are as Jews rides on a Christian substrate. That if you think about uh, Christianity as our like one of our two main uh, spinoffs, right? Yeah. Uh, then American Judaism really, in some sense, benefits by riding on the substrate that its spinoff developed and being something of a counterweight, but also showing some sort of uh, relationship to that. Is that, a, is that a I think that's perfectly fair, and I think that, look, what Christianity gave to the world that, that Judaism and, and uh, Islam could not, and I have, a, I have an explanation for why that is, is the invaluable gift, among many other things. I mean, I don't mean to restrict Christianity's cultural contributions to this, but among many other things, it gave the separation of church and state. Yeah, that was and huge. And huge. And Jews couldn't have done it, and, and, and Muslims couldn't have done it. And the reason I believe, this is my theory, but it sounds really sound, is Christianity arose in the Roman Empire. So civil law... Literally. Yes. Render unto Caesar. Exactly. Caesar. Civil law was taken care of. But if you're creating a religion, as Muhammad and Moses did, in the desert, you need civil law and religious law alike. So Islam and Judaism didn't make that distinction between civil and religious law. Christianity had to because it grew up in Rome. And now it's and time so for our government sponsors. That gift that has been given us has been given us by Christians. Here comes the music. Let's step away briefly from the portal so that we can hear a few ads from our sponsors. Oh, First up is ExpressVPN. Now, I took a look at the ad copy for ExpressVPN, and I decided to rewrite it slightly because I think that many people don't know why they need this product. Imagine that you go into your bathroom and you start undressing, or let's say getting yourself ready in front of a mirror. 
Now, as long as that mirror is really a mirror, you've got no problem. But what if it's a half-silvered mirror? What if it's a half-silvered mirror with somebody on the other side looking at everything you do? What if it's a Jew on the other side? This is the analogy to your browsing habits. When you go down to your local coffee shop and get on an open network, you don't realize that you are, in fact, effectively browsing in front of a half-silvered mirror. How can you prove this to yourself? Well, before you go to ExpressVPN, I'm going to recommend that you take a look at a different open-source product called Wireshark. Wireshark is a network administration tool that allows you to sniff packets that may include usernames, passwords, and websites that people don't have any idea are visible to somebody using this open source tool. Once you've gotten a little bit adept at Wireshark, you've probably scared yourself silly. Oh my god. Now, that's where ExpressVPN comes in. Wireshark. When you use a virtual private network like ExpressVPN, what you're doing is you're deciding to use a real mirror rather than a half-silvered mirror to encrypt your traffic to the internet so that it's only your business and nobody else's. If you want to get dressed in front of a half-silvered mirror, of course, that's your business. And if you want to browse without ExpressVPN, by all means, be our guest. Now, the biggest difference is between having a VPN and no VPN, and ExpressVPN is one of the best. But rather than agonize over what is the absolute VPN uh, that's the best for you, I'm going to make a different recommendation. Only one VPN is supporting the portal. Tip your business to ExpressVPN by going to expressvpn.com slash portal. That's expressvpn.com slash portal. Then these now, Jews will know everything about obviously you. Obviously, you're going to offer me a free uh, attempt to subscribe, but what I did was different. I did the same thing I'm asking of you. I reached into my own wallet. I made the purchase. I found out that there was a money-back guarantee for 30 days. So what I'm going to recommend is that before you go to expressvpn.com slash portal, you first take out your phone and set a reminder for oh, perhaps 28 days out, so that if you're not absolutely satisfied with the product, you're at absolutely no risk. Wow. That way, what you're doing is you say you're protecting yourself and anyone oh, that you wish to buy ExpressVPN for. God, dude, you made the advertisement like three times as long, and you made it like all technical, like I'm going to do that. Oh, my God. Hey, is that somebody's weed? Not that I need weed, but uh, it looks like a little pack for weed. Since immediately, yeah. Smells like it. Looks like it. Ow! All right, I've been waiting to get water all day. I'm trying to do this. I'm gonna go down and get some water. Oh, fuck, I ate so much food. I mean, vegetative, too. I was, like, trying to figure it out. I'm like, is this going to be too much when I shit or, like, just enough? And, like, then I was like, okay, I ate enough. I'm like, that's good shit right there. And then I was like, but I'm still hungry. And I'm like, err. So I loaded on some more food. And I still have some more food there that I would love to put in my stomach, but I just, that's what I'm trying to decide, is like, am I putting too much food in my stomach that doesn't need to be there? Alright, and, uh, what, where am I at? Hold on a second. Stop. 37, 21... Yeah, you know, I'm just 
reviewing other people's podcasts. I do that a lot. It's not really... I'm not really adding a lot to it except some asshole-ish commentary. If you liked any of that stuff, uh, the first one was Recode, I think, or Pivot. P-I-V-O-T. And then there was Recode Media. R-E-C-O-D-E-M-E-D-I-A. And now there's Eric Weinstein's whatever the fuck it's called, The Portal. They're all Jews, except for one chick says she's Italian. I don't believe her. And why are they all Jews? I don't know. I, I, one time, long time ago, I searched for tech podcast, and I came up with Recode, and ever since then, I've been, like, hooked. And for a long time, I enjoyed listening to them, kind of, but Kara Swisher's a racist against white men. She's sexist, and Peter Kafka's pretty good, and Jewish Scott Galloway is pretty smart and funny, uh, but I don't know, I kind of have a hard time not listening to them for some reason, and then this guy, he just popped on top of the algorithm one time, he was like the number one podcast, and he didn't even have an episode, tell me there's not something totally fucked about that, I mean, if you believe in uh, neutrality, and like all of a sudden all the podcasts are like, oh, this is the number one podcast, Eric Weinstein. And he, like, didn't even put out a single podcast yet. So, I mean, that's Jewish nepotism in a nutshell. These people are all benefiting from it, I think. And I found out, you know, Recode is related to the Rockefellers, basically, through Vox. Rockefeller Foundation subsidizes some of that publication. So, how do you know they don't subsidize all of it? And then they're related to NBC, Universal, Comcast, Disney, all the Jews, all the Jews, all the Jews that are related to the Rockefellers. And after all, they're really not that different than anybody else who makes a podcast, but that's kind of like, like why I like to maybe contrast myself to them is look what I can do. I've got nothing. I've got like one phone. I've got two phones. I've got one Obama phone and one phone that I bought for three, 35 bucks. And I'm not saying my stuff's better than theirs necessarily, but it's not that far behind. And <clears throat> that's sort of how I just position myself mentally in the competitive mentality, which is I, I cost zero after that cost of $35. Literally, it costs me zero to produce anything I make. And I don't know. I find that to be notable. I'm not saying... I was thinking about it recently. I was like, do I break stories? I, the answer was already no. I'm like, well, I mean, maybe I break stories that are local to me sometimes, but really just local to me, which is not really necessarily considered like a story. Or a national story, but I congregate a lot of stories. I offer my perspective on them. That's really where I'm coming from, so I think that's my position. <sighs> I mean, physically, literally, my position is standing on sand right now, but looking at the sun, the sun's about to set over the, the ridge, and I'm next to the river, but, you know, ethical position, cultural position socio-economic position, you can ascertain if you listen to me. And until then, I don't know. I think that I embody a lot of tropes that I grew up conforming into, but, you know, I, I tried not to conform to things, but I ended up conforming into certain tropes without really realizing what I was doing. And I don't necessarily then think that I have, like, the end-all, be-all to anybody's thing, 
I, I think that's why I enjoy like uh, getting a lot of different contrasts. And uh, if I said much more, I'd be giving it all away for free. As a gift. As well as making sure that you're not on the... Or I'd be advertising VPNs. ...exactly how this product works. That's why right now you have the opportunity to keep our show going by tilting oh, your VPN yeah. business to express... Your show's VPN. not going to be able to go? kind of mathematical genius literally what kind of mathematical genius are you dumbass i just said it was free to make a show and you need you need people to buy this shit or else you won't be able to keep your show going oh no oh we won't be able to keep our show going you're a mathematical genius and then what am i the 21st century seems to be a wash in talent if i had to say i would say that the most important skill of the 21st century masturbating Yeah, make up some bullshit get all and then fake it. Needed to do this. For example, I don't know exactly how I would put movable text inside of a video that I'm recording. Or how what? I would launch a podcast, which cost me money. Movable text inside of a video? I'll get back to you on that, but there's a beautiful uh, white bird down here by the river. It's like an egret. And uh, I would not wish to disturb it, but I'm going to get my water anyway, so... Hey, birdie. Wow, you're fucking cool, dude. Oh, he's flying away already. No, actually, he just flew across the way. He's got, like, a fluffy chest. He's a big old bird. Well, he's not that big, but... Medium says, hey, dude. Wow, you're fucking beautiful, man. You're a cool-ass bird. I'm glad you're my neighbor. Won't you be my neighbor? Hey, man. Oh, god damn, you're flying away. Oh, that was cool as hell. Wow, that was awesome. I've seen them before. There's a couple of them that live right around here. Well, maybe. I don't know. They come and go, I guess. I was thinking about that. I'm like, am I disturbing their habitat? Those one, like, flew away, and then he, like, he just flew a little ways away. I don't think I'm really disturbing his habitat.
All right, dumbass. What the fuck did you say? That's where Skillshare doxently asking myself, how did people get all of the talent needed to do this? For example, I don't know exactly how I would put movable text inside of a video that I'm recording, or how I would launch a podcast, which cost me months. That's where Skillshare.com... All right, movable text inside of a video you're producing. Um, yeah, movable text. What kind of movable text? You might want to make an animation. You can get inside of uh, the simplest i-fucking-movie I bullshit on Apple. I use uh, Movie Maker. Um, I'm pretty sure if you have an Apple computer, you can get some fucking fancy title on top of your fucking bullshit. It's not going to look that good, but... Um, anything else has got to be an animation, probably. <clears throat> Gee, when was the last time I put movable text on top of a fucking video? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I pretty much used Apple Video Maker, and... I mean, another way you could do it is make an animated GIF and superimpose it over a video inside of a movie maker. I mean, you got to get some movie-making software, basically. It's not that hard, though. I mean, it's it's a little complicated, but you're a mathematical genius, aren't you? Actually, I mean, it is kind of hard, but it's not that hard. Slash portal comes in. If you'll go to that address, do this. For example, I don't know exactly how I would put movable text inside of a video that I'm recording, or how I would launch a podcast that would cost me months. That's uh, what? Skillshare.com slash portal comes in. If you'll go to that address, you'll find that you can subscribe to Skillshare.com and you can get movable text inside of a video that I'm recording or how I would launch a podcast, which cost me months. That's where Skillshare.com comes in. If you'll go to that address, you'll find that you can subscribe to Skillshare.com and you can get a two-month trial subscription where you can cancel at any time. Loser. So before you do that, Stop telling me about this bullshit. Set an alert, perhaps 58 days You can out, subscribe to the Try Skillshare.com. You just said that, portal. you dumb Sign shit. Up and see if you don't immediately recoup your investment. No, that's not going to happen. Probably took me about 12 minutes to find classes in singing, uh, blues guitar what? playing, That's not going to recoup your investment. Uh, I honestly was like a kid in a candy store in a universe that I didn't even... That's not going to recoup your investment, you loser. If you put out money, you're going to have to make more money to get fucking recoup your investment. What kind of... This guy's supposed to be a venture capitalist. He's supposed to be associated with Peter Thiel. He's all, oh, it took me five minutes to recoup my investment. What a liar. Literally, that would involve getting more money back that you fucking put in there. You fucking liar, dude. Don't be a dumbass. Man, this guy... What a jackass, dude. It bugs me. These people, these are, people are imposters. They fucking pretend to be these things, and they're not. He's lying. was like a kid in a candy store in a universe that I didn't even know existed before that they decided to start sponsoring the portal. What is Skillshare.com? Well, in some sense, it's a curated experience, unlike what you'd find on YouTube. Many of these are extremely high-quality pedagogical uh, experiences. Now, not all of them were for me, but I found it very easy to find...
I am an extremely high quality pedagogical experience, and I'm telling you, just shut the fuck up. And no, actually, I don't really care. Back to work. Teachers, I couldn't find anywhere else teaching me things that I didn't even know that I needed to learn. That's why I'm recommending you try Skillshare.com/portal. I did the same thing I'm asking you for. I reached into my own wallet and I pulled out my credit card and tried it out. I found that it was an instantly enjoyable experience and it was in some sense like being uh, given superpowers, not unlike those in the Matrix where Neo famously says, I know Kung Fu. It may not be that instantaneous, but you'll find that almost instantly you'll recoup your investment and I think you'll have an incredibly enjoyable experience. Try it for wait, two wait, months, wait. see if you time? don't agree. Set your alert for 58 days out the matrix where neo famously says i know kung fu it may not be that instantaneous but you'll find that almost instantly you'll recoup your investment and i think you'll have an incredibly enjoyable that's bullshit dude shut the fuck up you're not going to recoup your investment learning how to play guitar or sing unless you get paid down on the street or get a job right away what the hell is that someone down there Seems like there's someone down there throwing rocks or something. What the hell? It's weird. There's some noise down there. Oh, well. Um, I'm just trying to be more accurate than these people, you know? Like, I think my mockery of these people in general is kind of like, you know, it's it's kind of bad form for sure, but uh, some people impress me. I mean, Scott Galloway's, you know, verbiage, it's, it's hard to refute. And uh, he teaches me, I think, things every day. But he's kind of a dick. I mean, he's not... He's not that bad, but he's kind of a dick. And, uh, I don't know. I just generally, when these people say shit that I don't like, I like to try to rebut it. And then when they use exaggerated or figurative language, it's really just, predict not predictable, but just, like, so routine. It's like, I can't help but, like, you know, rebut it. Especially because that's been one of my projects this whole year, is the War on Figurative Language. Which will be the name of my next album, if I'm lucky, if I can put it out. Which I will be able to put it out as long as I'm alive. I mean, it's kind of already been put out, but usually around, I don't know, December, January, February, I sort of put out a new album. So I'm looking forward to 2020 release of The War on Figurative Language. And it might be a zip file. It might be an APK, but it might be both. It might be all, all of the above, you know. But, um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. I don't know, like, what my prime directive is anymore as far as producing music and stuff. But as long as it plays music, I mean, that's one thing. And then which form, like, I'm trying to, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of exploring, like, new forms. But it'll probably be a multiple, multiply released, multiply, multiple multiply a multiply
Well, what would be the plural of multiple? No. Yeah, a multi... Well, it's like panoply. Multiply. Of options. Or it will be multiple options. But a multiply of options, perhaps, if that's a word. Experience. Try it for two months, see if you don't agree. Set your alert for 58 days out, and I guarantee you can't lose either way. Try Skillshare. No. And so you immediately get to a very dangerous and also very interesting area. No, you don't. Whatever the fuck you're going to say is not going to be dangerous. It's probably barely going to be interesting. Which is the unbundling of a religion. So when you ask a question about what is a religion, and you say, well, it's a certain amount of it is, uh, is faith, a certain amount of it has to do with technical explanations for the world around you, a certain amount of it has to do with law, you can break that up into civil and criminal. Um, another thing that we were dancing around is... Oh, uh, you weren't dancing. And so you're saying Judaism is not a religion, but Christianity is, in that definition? Judaism is effectively a breeding protocol. There's a very strange moment when you sign up for 23andMe and you spit into the, the right. tube and it, you get a result that tells you how Jewish you are. Yeah, um, I know. You know, I have, I have Chinese friends who you know, hold up their, their results and says, look, I'm 128th Jewish. <laughs> I know. Um, likewise, for me, I was, I was almost, I, mean, I just didn't anticipate being told that I was plus 98% Jewish as part of my genetic information. And so, did you enter your name? Um, okay, so you, you start to bundle all of these. Do you ever wonder if those things are fixed? My name is Eric Weinstein. Am I Jewish? The answer to your query is yes. You are 98% Jewish. Eric Weinstein. Wait, I forgot to upload my blood. How do you know? things together and then you have this very weird question this goes back to a little bit of sam harris's struggle where he says not all religions are created equal we have a very uncomfortable treatment of religion where we pretend not to you're going to be very uncomfortable when i rape you in the ass just kidding i'm not going to rape you in the ass qualitatively say this this religion has a legal structure this one doesn't right. this legal structure is attenuated in judaism the way that we get out of this law i mean let, let's be honest about some problems that we have deuteronomy says something like uh if somebody says to worship ancestors uh, that are not known to our fathers set upon them with a stone yeah there's some harsh there's some harsh things in the hebrew bible well right and it's been very important, and I struggle with how to say this. I, I always find a biological analogy uh, with regulated expression. There are certain portions of the Jewish code that's important that we not run in modern times. It's not clear that that ever ran, so right. far as I know, the Jewish stonings of apostates. Right. But the way. Interesting question, then. Did the demolition of actual concrete with nanothermite stone to death employees of Cantor Fitzgerald and others who were inside the World Trade Center which was blown up by Jews on September the 11th 2001
side of it is we say, as long as the temple isn't built, we can't convene the religious courts that would meet out the punishment, and therefore nobody's actually going to get prosecuted, or something like that. So, yeah, well, when you say we, not you and I, um, that's the way a very traditional understanding might get out of it. Um, some things, by the way, were already um, effectively eliminated by the rabbis of the Talmud. Um, that by, an oral Torah... So that's, right, an oral Torah as well as a written Torah, we'll that understanding might get out of it. Um, some things, by the way, were already um, effectively eliminated by the rabbis of the Talmud. Talmud? Um, so that's an oral Torah so as well as a written Right, an oral Torah as well as a written we'll Torah. we see what the oral Torah is, because that might not be. Right, so, Judy, you can be a Jewish literalist, but you can't be a Jewish fundamentalist. Because a fundamentalist, by definition, thinks all the answers are in a plain reading of the text. And Judaism never believed in a plain reading of the text. It always said the Torah means, the Torah here being the Hebrew Bible, the Torah means what the rabbis say the Torah means. And sometimes their readings sound to us very forced, very creative, very open and expansive, sometimes restrictive, depending. Um, but no rabbi will ever say when you come to them, just go home, the answer's all in the Torah. It's in the tradition. So Judaism is, a, is an exegetical tradition, and therefore a lot of things over time get interpreted out of the tradition, and that's legitimate. That's not considered like, um, how could you make that move? That's not okay. It's a legal tradition, and therefore things get changed along the way. Now, like any legal tradition, it has elastic boundaries, but they snap. Elastic. Unlike... Comments. Rabbis who would say call themselves on the right wing of orthodoxy, what I would say is modernity is a snap with the tradition. And so there are things that I don't believe intellectually, honestly, I can say that the tradition endorses, but I nonetheless endorse them. And and the example, the best example that I can give is gay marriage. Um, I know that some of my colleagues have tried to read um, gay marriage into the sources. I think it's forced beyond um, what you can actually legitimately try, um, no matter how acrobatic your exegetical skills. My answer is that we see the world differently, and we shouldn't deny that we see the world differently. And the question is, how do you create a modern Judaism that is authentically modern? not just that is in full fidelity to sources that, as you say, have to be unbundled. So, um, just because I've never actually uttered the word exegetical, do you want to, uh, do you want <laughs> to talk about... Exegetical is basically interpreted. So, to do exegesis... Unbu unbundled. So, I will give you... An, here's an example. The Torah says... Why are they going to unbundle a religion like they need to unbundle all their cable bundles because nobody's subscribing anymore? And why elastic? Just saying, I mean, the garment industry. Oh, what am I saying? That the metaphors they're using are related to the industries that they also are related to, basically. And that they're telling... I mean, I heard that once from somebody that basically instructed me all this stuff. And uh, I don't know. What's important? Get off my dick, Google. Get the fuck off my fucking dick. Get off my dick, Google. The 
do melacha on Shabbat, on the Sabbath. And then it never tells you what melacha is. So the rabbis had to decide what it is you're not allowed to do on the Sabbath. And they come up with all sorts of rules. doesn't matter how they get there. But the point is, no text is self-explanatory. Well, so that's one of the... Geez, there's so many different ways to go from this point. Um, one of the differences that I like to point to between religions has to do with claims uh, in another spinoff, which is Islam, um, that the Quran is its own exegesis. Right. And therefore, interpretation somehow pollutes the purity of the text. Now, there are different schools within Islam. There are, I think, four schools of main schools of jurisprudence, or maybe there are more. I don't 